0: Look at my butt. Show number 166 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, listeners, now we come to a musical segment.
0: A musical.
1: Yes. A musical. And where did we get this information from the two Greek, two geeks?
0: The two true freaks. Um, oh. So their show was recommended to us by one of our listeners. Uh, I'm very sorry, I can't remember who exactly said that maybe we should do a crossover with them sometime. Mm-hmm. So well, I was doing some research and I listened to an episode that they had done where they talked about both the Court Martial episode and then Measure of a Man, the TNG episode, because they were both trials. Right. One of the things they mentioned about Court Martial, which I think I'd never really noticed before, was that in the scene where uh, Kirk and McCoy are in the bar down on the the planet, there's some music playing in the background, and it's a very jazzy sort of uh, I don't know lounge singer version of the Star Trek theme.
1: But it's not really jazzy; it's just smarmy. It's smarmy. That's, that's and it's word. not a singer. No, but um, so we we went and watched those. There's two bar scenes. Yeah. Um, In Court Martial. And in the first one is the one where Kirk and McCoy come in and meet other officers who are like snippy and snotty. Yep. And so Kirk leaves, and then um, Ariel comes in, and McCoy starts talking to her in really a pretty creepy way. He does. He's totally hitting on her. And to go along with the creepiness, we get this,
0: what is it, a... It, a and or no, it's a saxophone. No, it's 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 like a trumpet with a mute on oh, the end yeah, of it. It's like and all you
1: need is, you know, somebody with the, the brush going, you know, it's just just totally ridiculous. <laughs> and then later in the scene where where Kirk and Aurel meet mm-hmm. at the same bar, again the music is playing, but this time it's it's not lounge music. No. But it is the T O S theme, it, so it's more like it's underscoring music, yeah. you know, like the fight theme and things mm-hmm. like that,
0: but it totally does not work. No, it's it's very bad because clearly it's not the actual music that's being played at the bar, which right. who knows what the hell it is, but it 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 it's distracting. It's very distracting. And I just can't believe we never noticed that particular thing because we've watched that episode a lot of times. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but so if you want to hear some, some cheesy 23rd century lounge music...
0: <laughs> That's your place to go. <laughs> it's true. So let's talk about um, the main event here. Yes, we decided we wanted to watch Wrath of Khan, which we haven't watched together. Maybe but, ever. well,
1: we probably have it one time, but we've never watched it for the show. Yep, and discussed it. And so I got out my DVD, which is the director's cut, mm-hmm. and we realized we had neither of us ever listened to the commentary. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to listen to the Nicholas Meyer commentary, who was the director, and v- because we both pretty much got that movie memorized, I mean, you really, for us, only needed the visual mm-hmm. to know what the dialogue was, um, we were really able to to listen to what he was saying and how it applied to what was on screen, and it was a, a thoroughly interesting and satisfying experience, I thought. It was.
0: It was really good. He had a lot, it was just him, so it wasn't someone interviewing him or him with a producer or anyone like that. And some of it, he was commenting on specific scenes that were being shown, and others were just more, um, you know, talking about his ideas about filmmaking and directing and how he got started and Mm -hmm. some of his experiences and his opinion about film and how things should be used in film. I thought it was a pretty good mix of. Personal observation, and then some stuff about the movie that we just didn't know because it right. came from you know the source.
1: Right, and it it was very interesting. He, you know, he talked about how this was in the early days of CGI effects, and how at the time they thought they looked fantastic, and for the most part, I think they hold yeah, up. Do. They they still look real really good. He talked um, about the actors. He talked about the thing with with Bill mm-hmm. and uh, his style, and he pointed out that he believes. Shatner more or less grew up playing leading men, Mm -hmm. and so in the early takes, the first couple takes they always did, it was very leading man-ish was the way he he put it as far as Bill's reading went, and so they just kept doing more and more takes because then Bill got bored, and once he got bored, he could settle into just being Mm -hmm. instead of acting, but I want to point out something, that's a story we've all heard many times. Um, recently in an interview, he said, well, yes, that is true. I did use that. And he goes, but I want to point out that um, people say that is Shatner's you know, greatest performance and that it's res- I'm responsible for it. And he goes, no, I think my directing might have contributed, but that performance belongs to Bill, mm-hmm. you know, giving him the credit. And it, to me it's very obvious he never said that with the idea of, Shining the light on himself. No, not it at all. It was just sort of a story about working with a particular actor, mm-hmm. and he talks about working with Ricardo Montalban, yes. whose you know first readings were you know foaming at the mouth crazy, and yeah. then he you know he talked to him. He said, you know, crazy people are much scarier when they're quiet and calm, and you mm-hmm. know the crazy is there, and th- that is you know part of what makes Montalban's performance so intriguing, mm-hmm. so
0: you know riveting is what is this lunatic gonna do yeah and one of the other things that that i i mentioned while we were watching it that i think he does so well and he did this in the original tv show and he does it in the movie um nicholas meyer mentions that montalban is one of those actors where you can really see what's going on in the character's mind because mm-hmm. his his face is very open when he's acting so mm-hmm. you see what's happening right there and there are several times in the movie and in the show where you just know what he's thinking is, why do I have to do this all myself? Yeah. Why is everyone <laughs> so
1: stupid? And, and you see it in the movie when he's, you know, holding the bridge of his nose. Yes. It's like, oh, the, and I'm surrounded by, by idiots. idiots. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, it's really wonderful.
0: It's And it's such a good way for his character to be because he does think he's the smartest person mm-hmm. in the galaxy and it's just so painfully obvious when he's doing that. Yes. <laughs> One of the other things I want to talk about because
1: um, Meyer said, you know, when he has to like write his occupation down, he writes Storyteller because he doesn't care what the medium is. Mm-hmm. If it's film, if it's written word or whatever, he's telling a story. And One of the, uh, he feels was most effective things he did, and I agree, like a thousand percent, was there had been all the rumors about you're going to kill off Spock. Yes. And so he, quote-unquote, killed him off in the opening scene. Right. Savick's Kobayashi Maru. And he said that diffused it. And Mm -hmm. he pointed out again later, when, when Spock actually is dying, It does come as a surprise, because you think you've already seen it. And I remember the first time I saw this movie in a movie theater, Mm -hmm. and I had heard all the rumors, um, and then Spock dies in the opening scene, and I was like, whoa, they're knocking him off right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when Kirk comes out, it's like, okay, everybody up. Yeah, you did your stuff. And I I went, oh, oh, isn't that sneaky? They Mm -hmm. killed him off, but not really killed him off. So I thought we were through with the killing Spock thing. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely what Meyer intended. And I think he pulled it off so beautifully. Because he said, you know, his his important points throughout all this, or one of his real goals, was a narrative. He had things he wanted to deal with, like getting older and Mm -hmm. and things like that. But the thing was the narrative, keep that story moving forward, make it a page-turner. And he does that so well that when you get to that scene... It just takes your breath away because you're totally not prepared. You figure, ah, oh, got through that spark dying crap, and oh my god, this is the real one. Yeah, and it, it packs a powerful punch. Yeah, well, you know, and it wouldn't if you were sitting there the whole movie going, when,
0: when is Spock it going to happen? Going to die. Yeah, plus really th- smart. The way the whole resolution of the conflict is done is is really well paced. So. You know, Spock goes into engineering and then he's doing whatever techno thing has to be done to save them and then he does the thing and there's a cut back to the bridge and you see the screen display whatever it says, they're back to normal and Mm -hmm. Kirk gives the order that the ship moves out and they do and then there's quite a number of shots back and forth between the bridge with them sort of looking very nervous and then it goes back to um, outside (laughs) where you see the ship going away and then there's the explosion and then they're back on the ship and they're looking at the view screen and Stop, time's going by. I mean, yes. time is going by and everybody's getting back to normal and there's a few lines between Kirk and David and, and you've just forgotten about Spock. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so far, like it's happened such a long time ago that you well, even forgot. Well, and you forgot. think,
1: okay, Spock did it, yay Spock, but, everything's
0: good. Yeah, because nobody else is paying any attention to it and it's just, mm-hmm. it's as if we've moved on, here's the day, new month, the movie's going to be over and then when McCoy says, you better get down here, it's it's a huge shock. You see the empty chair. yeah.
1: And if you are a Trekkie, or if you've gotten really involved in the movie at that point, your heart is in your yeah. throat suddenly. It's like, oh, this, oh, my God. Yeah. And Kirk doing that Sliding. slide down the ladder. Oh. oh that's so good. It's that's so good. And so that
0: scene good. is so beautifully staged, so beautifully played, shot so well. Yep. And he talked, Meyer was talking about how the people, um, the crew were all crying, at that Mm -hmm. scene when they were filming it. And he wasn't because he's the director and he has to be, as he said, the puppeteer, being in charge and not getting emotional about it and making sure that everything goes correctly Um, and realizing how important this scene was going to be to an awful lot Mm -hmm. of people.
1: Yeah. He also said, and I thought this was very interesting, that he fought against even directing that final scene where we see the coffin in the shrubbery. Mm -hmm. Which was done at the it's San the Francisco, Francisco,
0: the botanical uh, botanical
1: garden. Yeah, and I thought, you know, he's absolutely right. You've killed the guy off. Um, you've got the thing about we'll remember him. You yeah. see the star sort of rising behind the Genesis planet, yeah. and so you've given a hint, but that scene that follows it almost undercuts everything else and really does tip their hand yeah I think so Um, I think it would be stronger without that but still it's such a gem of a movie Mm -hmm. now should we discuss the decision about David Marcus's wardrobe
0: (laughs) so Nicholas Meyer spends what 10 minutes? Probably, you know, between 5 and 10 minutes,
1: no matter what's going on, he continues to talk about Talking
0: this. about David Margus's sweater, what is tied around his shoulders when he's walking around the Enterprise. Yeah. Because first he says, almost defensively, I thought, oh, yeah. that um, he thought it was a good idea for David to have this sweater, you know, he had to leave the... Laboratory thing, and he took something with him because he thinks it's important to show people in the future are like people now that they have books mm-hmm. and that they have stuff and clothes and jackets and sweaters and things. So he took a sweater. Mm-hmm. And he said, And some people have complained that that just bounces them right out of the movie. And if that happened to you, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, I know. And I remembered, and I don't think I laughed the first time I saw it but
1: I remember hearing a lot of people going, Sweater. Oh my god, that stupid sweater and tied, tied that it around
0: his neck. It's not so much that he's wearing a sweater, it's that he's got it tied around his neck like he's a chad or something. Uh, well,
1: exactly. And um and he you know, Nicholas Meyer goes on to say, you know, you look at that and you instantly know the movie was made in the early eighties and he thinks this is a good thing because it was something we could all relate to but I'm mm-hmm. going we're Trekkies. We don't wear that preppy crap, yeah. you know, and tie that sweater around our neck like that. And I remember reading in, like, one of the reviews or something about it, where the person said, "Oh my God, Captain Kirk's son is a Valley Boy." Yes. <laughs> With The goddamn sweater. But he just, and then there'll be silence, or he he stops talking. And the movie goes on, and then when he opens his mouth again, he's still talking about the sweater.
0: <laughs> it was it was three separate. Chunks of commentary about the sweater yes. sequentially, <laughs> and we were just laughing and laughing. Like, right, enough with the sweater, jeez. Um, I made a couple of notes that I just wanted to mention. Um, one thing that he just said at the beginning that when he wrote this, well, he didn't write the script, but when he had the script and sent it to Bill uh, for him to read it, Bill was not happy with a few things that were later changed. And no, Bill
1: hated it. Oh, he Bill hated, hated the it.
0: script. He hated the script. But it, things got fixed, and he doesn't say what those things no. were, so I don't know what that is. But apparently Bill said to him, this is a disaster.
1: Yes, <laughs> he actually said that. He said, I got this message from William Shatner. He said, I hate it. This is a disaster. disaster. <laughs> but then, so he, when he finally met with Bill and really talked about it, was able to boil it down to what were the issues Bill objected yeah. to, they were things he could easily fix. So within 24 hours, he had a new script, sent it over to Bill. And he got um, a, a message, phone, a phone message, a, on his answering machine of Bill going, "You're a genius! This is great! I don't know how you did it! I'm so happy!" And he says he kept the tape. <laughs> and every time, you know, Bill would be arguing with him on the set about something, he'd like go, "I'm a genius! <laughs> you love this script," which
0: I think is pretty cute. That's funny. I would really like to know what those issues were that got mm-hmm. worked out. Um, because, well, I don't know. It's hard to say.
1: I don't. Well, one of the things he does mention later is they specifically said that Kirk was 49. Yes. And Bill said he did not want a specific age mentioned. Yeah. And uh but and Meyer thought that it was still better to mention it, but they they gave in to Bill on that. But I remember talking with people about this and how we were all absolutely convinced that the birthday that was in question here, Kirk's birthday, he was turning 50. The mm-hmm. whole movie just screams that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it kind of does. Now, how old was Bill when this movie was made? Early 80s,
1: probably right around forty-nine fifty. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Well, you know, Kirk's age has always been yeah. Shatner's age. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's so some, I was just that wondering. That might have cut a little too close. Like he was saying, Bill, as a, as a performer, is protective of himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't disappear into a character. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was thinking about a comment Nimoy, Nimoy made when he directed um, Search for Spock. That when it came to the, the, oh, my God, you Klingon bastard, you mm-hmm. killed my son scene, he cleared the set and and said to Bill, you know, you do whatever y- you feel is right here. How far do you want to go? I feel you can go pretty far with this. Mm-hmm. But he made it a very safe place for Bill to play that scene and to not have a lot of people around judging it. Mm-hmm. And it, with his you know friend Leonard, who I believe he trusted as a friend and as a director... I thought, very smart move to recognize, you know, what who you're dealing with, mm-hmm. what, who this actor is, mm-hmm. and what can you do to get what you feel is necessary without twisting his arm or, right. or anything like that.
0: Yeah, well, uh, it seemed that um, Nicholas Meyer's technique of getting him to just do a lot of takes was pretty effective in, <sighs> in this, you know, until he got tired of... of uh, trying to perform and finally just did it. Yes. And I uh, he specifically mentions that it's the scene where um, Kirk is sending the codes over to Khan's ship Mm -hmm. where he says here it comes. Right. And he does it in a very low key way. But that was like take 16 or something because Bill would go here it
1: comes. Yeah. And he he said you're telegraphing it. Yep. And you know remember Khan's a real smart guy you Mm -hmm. can't do something like that.
0: Yep, so uh,
1: that was good. And one of the questions you and I were talking about then earlier, because right after we watched this, we went out and had a wonderful (laughs) dinner. Um, I said, you know, if I had the chance to talk to Nicholas Meyer, what I would ask him, because he came back several years later and directed Undiscovered Country. Mm -hmm. Um, Did he find he still had to do that with Bill? Or had that all sort of been... um, not an, a lesson for Bill, but something that he he took value mm-hmm. from, and we were saying certainly, um looking at Boston Legal, where Bill underplays so mm-hmm. so beautifully, um, that it's very evident, I think that that is something he has mm-hmm. learned now
0: mm-hmm.
1: and also, we, we talked about the fact that Bill has said one of the things he liked about doing Boston Legal was he wasn't the lead. Yep. He didn't have to carry the show. He could relax. And you brought up, and I want you to say it for our listeners, the, the very interesting point about his insecurity as the lead of Star Trek.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it seems pretty obvious from what people have said and, and um, that he he became more competitive as a person. I mean... We know Bill doesn't like to lose, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that he became more competitive and and more obnoxious about his position on the show as time went by, and I think it's because he was cast as the lead, as the star of the show, Um, and it wasn't an ensemble show. Mm -hmm. It was him and and Nimoy, and then eventually McCoy sort of got promoted, so DeForest Kelly became the the other co-star, so it was the three of them and then a bunch of other actors, but because of the so-called rivalry between him and Nimoy, he became, I think, really insecure about whether he was still mm-hmm. the star of the show. Yes. And it manifested itself in ways that were not so nice for the other people. Right. You know, like needing to have more lines, making sure he had the most lines and the most screen time and that the show was really focused on him because he was afraid that um, you know, Nimoy and Spock's character were going to steal the show away from him. Well, and also... Um, this was that role and that getting a series at
1: that point Mm -hmm. um, and the lead in a one-hour drama was sort of a make-or-break for him because he had had a couple series and they had all failed you know not run past a year and um, he has said that at that point in his life he was starting to to lose roles to other actors Mm -hmm. which didn't always happen that much to him you know he was pretty much cast left and right And he was at the point of thinking, um, if this doesn't work out, I've got to get out of this and get into directing or writing or something. But that was his make or break as an actor. And so, of course, he was thrilled to have it. And then when it did seem threatened, Mm -hmm. that, yes, the show was being picked up, but the attention was going to this other supporting character. Right, a supporting character. Yeah, he Yeah. he was threatened by that. And I, you know... Uh, DeForce Kelly has said when he was promoted like mm-hmm. to co-star, he got that billing yep on the screen um, that Bill was very supportive of that and I can't help thinking he did that to sort of defuse yes, Nimoy. Yes,
0: I think that's exactly right yep mm-hmm. but he had to make sure that he was still the star of the show right because he was the star of the show you know and we've mm-hmm. talked about that so many times that for for um, the other guys, they were not stars. They right. were supporting characters. They weren't even in every episode. Well, and one of the the really tough
1: things to come to terms with as an actor is either, you know, you do this this project, a film, a TV show, whatever, and then your scenes are all cut, they're not there mm-hmm. at all, or you're in a play, and, they, you know, it's like a newish play or whatever, and they say, we've got to cut your song, and they'll always tell you it's for time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's really hard, and it really does make you question Is it me? Yeah. And you can even go to the director or the music director or whoever and say, tell me the truth. I need to know. Mm -hmm. And they will always say, no, no, it's strictly for time or it doesn't really move the plot along or something. Mm -hmm. They'll never say, you don't do it well. (laughs) Yeah. But um, that's really hard. And I think Bill was afraid of seeing that happen because... Mm -hmm networks are so responsive to audiences and when there's you know one bag of mail for Captain
0: Kirk and 12 bags of mail for Mr. Spock what are they gonna do? Yep exactly so I I can understand that and as a competitive person and as someone who is sort of questioning where his career was going to go and wondering whether this was even the right thing to do in the first place I mean you know. And the problems at home. And the problems at home (coughs) (coughs) made by himself. (laughs) But still. But still. But, you know, it's funny. Thinking about um, this in light of seeing the play that we did the other night, Mm -hmm. The Complete Works, you know. He started off being a Shakespearean actor. And now he's on NBC doing a science fiction show. Like, well, is that really a step up, you know, in Mm -hmm. his mind? Because he had come very far from one place to this new place. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure he spent a lot of time wondering whether that was really the right path for him. Right. You right. Know? And where he was going to go from there. Yeah. So, uh, the, one
1: of the, some of the other things that were very interesting about what Meyer had to say was he didn't get overly involved in talking about the technical aspects of putting the show together, mm-hmm. putting the, the thing together. But he was saying, you know, one of the big challenges was that the bridge was a 360 degree set, which mm-hmm. made it difficult to shoot, and you had to really plan your shots. Very carefully, but he—I uh, love when he was saying he talked to James Horner, who who did the music for it, and uh, and said to him, you know, I don't want you to think rockets and marching Ooh. and parade music, which you get a lot of in in space opera. He said, think more of the ocean and Debussy yeah. and La Mer, and you know that sort of thing, which uh, to me totally goes along with. Um, The Blue Danube in... um, Oh, 2001. 2001, Space Odyssey. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's interesting how it makes you aware, if you weren't aware, that um, film is a director's medium, but it is his job Mm -hmm. to be able to communicate his concept, his vision to these other people and say, this is how, you know, this is what you can
0: do or what I would like you Mm -hmm. to do to serve Mm -hmm. this overall idea I have. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things that the director on a movie is supposed to do, I just have to mention this because we both thought it was so funny. Um, in the one scene in the movie that's in Spock's quarters, mm-hmm. he mentioned that Nemo really hated the way the set was dressed. There was one part of it that was nice and then the rest of it was just very shiny. ugly looking. It was very shiny and it's a wall that has um, the itik symbol on it in mm-hmm. this uh, like very sparkly kind of glitter. Glitter mosaic. And he said, um, yes, and I hated it too. It looked like the the side of a sparklet's water truck, <laughs> which it totally did. <laughs> if you don't know what that looks like, go Google it and you'll see. But yep. It's made of these little pieces of metal that sort of flutter in the wind, and it looked exactly like that. Right. So he said that was one part of this that he just um, admitted he didn't spend enough time overseeing, and he should have, and he didn't, and it turned out crappy, and when they did... Um, more scenes in Spock's quarters in Star Trek 6 he was very careful to make it look the way he wanted it to look mm-hmm. and that Nimoy you was know, felt was, was more what Spock's
1: quarters would be too yeah, yeah. but I, I always thought in the original series Spock's quarters looked more like a whorehouse
0: oh, than they anything do. else with all know, know, that so red velvet and the yeah. smoke and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking about that when we were watching um, Paradise Syndrome mm-hmm. That you know, showing all that stuff in there it's crazy how it looks Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't look like the first officer's quarters at all. And it certainly doesn't look like Spock's quarters. No, it doesn't. No, no. It doesn't look like a place where you go to meditate. It Mm -hmm. looks like a place where you go to get laid. Yeah, it's kind of a frat
1: boy room. uh,
0: Like the back of a van. It looks like the back of a van. (laughs) (laughs) The back
1: of a Vulcan van. van. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. But um, he... he also points out something came up a few weeks ago. Um, he was saying that the director's cut mm. this cut that we're seeing is the way he cut it from when it was shown on television. Mm-hmm. Remember we were talking about yes. these
0: different different versions. versions. Yeah. So this was the version that had um, the, much more of the plot with Scotty's nephew in it.
1: Yes. And it also has the discussion in it of uh, of Savic being half Romulan, That's half right. Vulcan, which he felt was very important because mm-hmm. that at least is the justification for um, Savick crying at Spock's
0: funeral. And if you only think she's Vulcan, mm-hmm. I know a
1: lot of fans were very upset about that. Yep.
0: Yep. It's important to know, and it also is, you know, why she's an interesting kind of character—that mm-hmm. um, she has a real backstory. Yeah. I also found it very interesting when
1: they were, when we saw the scene of Spock's funeral. And he was talking, and I thought at first he was talking about the characters. And he goes, you know, and it comes down to they're a family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like all families, they're not always happy with each other. And there are fights and disagreements. And then there's, you know, love fest. But in the end, this is your family, and this is who you're with, and you're going to be with them for the rest of your life. And then something he said cued me into he was talking about the actors. Yeah, yeah, I realized that. That they all got into this sort of through happenstance, the way all of us end up in the families we're yep. in. Mm-hmm. And you make the best of it, or you, you know, hate them and never call home on Thanksgiving or whatever. Right. But they have to deal with each other. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting. And
0: what he said, again, echoed very much what they said in, in Complete Works. It's, you know... That you have to deal with being really well known for a role that you did maybe a long time ago that you don't really want to be known for, for the or rest that you of feel you've done much better you, work in other things. That's right, but that's the way it is. Yeah, you just have to deal with it. You have to deal with the career you've got. Yep, play the hand you're dealt. That's it. <sighs> so that was good. That was really fun to watch. That. Yes, I was very glad we did it. So, well, we're going to take a break. Yes, we are. And then we're going to do some other stuff. Okay
1: space the final frontier these are the voyages of the starship enterprise its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before
0: got a question comment or suggestion email to look at his butt at gmail.com and comments at Look at his butt at blogspot.com. This podcast recorded on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand.
1: It's presents. It's presents. Welcome back for presents. Yay. We spontaneously bought each other presents (laughs) for no occasion other than we each saw something that we felt the other one absolutely needed to have. Yes. Yes. So, why don't you tell your listeners what you got in a shiny black
0: box? A shiny, shiny black box. I'm so happy about this. It is Star Trek, the original series, cookie cutters. And they are beautiful, beautiful, high-quality cookie cutters. There are five of them, and they're made of blue plastic, and they have a nice spring-loaded top to them, so you can impress the details of the the, um, thing on each cookie as you cut them out. So, there's one of the Enterprise... There's one of um, the Starfleet symbol, there's one of the Klingon Empire symbol, there's a phaser, and then there's a Vulcan in it, a Vulcan hand salute. Yes. And they're just so cool. I'm, I'm guessing that if you made the phaser, it wouldn't actually work as a phaser. I'm guessing it would, it would not. It would just be a cookie. Right. But they're so cool. And they're from our good friends at Think Geek. Yes.
1: And good old Think Geek sent me their catalog. And it's, it's not all Star Trek stuff, you know, it's just all kinds of stuff. But looking at the Star Trek uh, part, there's um, some really good things, I think. There, of course, is the Enterprise bottle opener, but we've all seen those. <laughs> uh, but
0: we have the, the Simpsons bottle we opener. We have
1: the Talking Simpsons bottle, or you have. Yes. But there is a Star Trek bathrobe, soft and warm, terry cloth robe with embroidered insignia what kirk wears the morning after Uh now um it says it comes in four styles and i'm going to actually go online and and look Mm -hmm. this up because the one they show is the guy and it's blue so Mm -hmm. it's like the science officer's bathrobe but if i got it i would want it in gold gold definitely
0: does kirk really wear a bathrobe the morning after does he walk around naked I think you know when
1: you first get up in the morning even if it's not a cold day you feel a little chilly I think yeah. you know maybe he just pulls on a comfortable pair of boxers or something mm. but I think a bathrobe would be nice. Mhm. Okay. Yeah. And you know he's very much a, a sensualist. That's so true. I think a robe of a, a nice a, enjoyable fabric he would like that. He would like
0: that. But can you imagine him with some little slippers on his feet kind of shuffling around? No, not the slippers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You can also get Star Trek
1: Interactive Tribbles, the perfect furry pet straight from Iota Germanorum 4. Really? Is that what they said in the episode? I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I uh, think they made this up. But I don't know what interactive means, if they purr or or whatever. walk or talk or something. But then they have something for... Trekkies in training, Uh little babies. This one just cracks me up. It is the Star Trek light-up feeding system for mess-free docking at the (laughs) face station. (laughs) And it's got a bib with um, uh, a starship and a space station on it that lights up. And then the
0: spoon Uh is an Enterprise. And the nacelles light up oh see how many people are going to buy that and then never use it for their kids because it's it's like too nice well and i think a light up spoon coming towards them is going to freak them out
1: really (laughs) um then there is the star trek uniform creeper Mm -hmm. because kids are always boldly going Uh, i agree with that available in gold blue red and cadet gray But don't buy it in red for your kids. That's really a bad Bad idea. idea. And the baby they show wearing it is wearing it in gold. So um, there is a new little one in my family Mm -hmm. who's growing really fast. Uh So he might even be out of these infant Mm -hmm. sizes already. But I'm going to go check it out because I think he may need that.
0: I I think it would help. You know, it it never hurts to have people know that you're in command right from the beginning. (laughs) And this little
1: guy definitely is. So... Um, I think that'd be great, but this is a fun, fun catalog. Just like their website is so much fun. I love the Thinky guys. Yes, and uh, so that came with the cookie cutters when uh, when when those arrived, and I was glad to see both of these things. Oh, it's so and wonderful. I was going to make us some cookies to take on the road trip, mm-hmm. but then I realized. Oh, I have to get a pastry board. I have to get a rolling pin. I'm never going to ever use those things ever, ever again. Mm -hmm. But I know at your house, a lot of cooking and baking and fun stuff like that goes on. And I'm sure this will be enjoyed and appreciated. I
0: will be making cookies with this and and putting little sprinkles on them and everything. And I will be adding green food coloring to the dough for the Vulcan hand salute cookie. And, yeah, it's going to be good. So when I make those cookies, pictures will be posted. I was going to say pictures are definite. Yes. So now... Now?
1: My present. present. This is so exciting. It is a comic, a graphic novel, Mm -hmm. for Galaxy Quest. (laughs) And the name of it is Galaxy Quest Global Warning. (laughs) It's very high quality. The cover has embossed Mm -hmm. lettering. It's printed on beautiful glossy paper with wonderful
0: colors. And it looks like it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> so I bought one of these for myself and one for you so that we could read them and then talk about it together and see what we thought about it.
1: Okay. And the, fir- and the, <laughs> the name of the first chapter is Chapter 1, Destiny Be Mine, <laughs> which I just love. And on the back it tells us, uh, presenting the first ever Galaxy Quest comic book tale. It's been 20 years since the cast of Galaxy Quest ruled the airwaves. Now, on the eve of the relaunch of America's most beloved science fiction series, Galaxy Quest, the journey continues. A world-threatening crisis occurs. Will the Earth survive? Maybe, if Jason Nesmith and his fellow actors-turned-adventurers have anything to say about it. In the immortal words of his alter ego, Commander Peter Quincy Taggart, never give up, never never surrender. surrender. So I am very excited to read this. (laughs) This is just going to be, oh, my God, it's going to be just so wonderful. (laughs) Look
0: at this picture. Uh, We'll act for food. That's great.
1: (laughs) We are going to have a real good time with this. Okay,
0: I'm so glad you like the gay (laughs) presents. Yay, that's good. Okay, moving along. Now we're going to talk about something that we haven't talked about in a bit, which is we're going to do some sex toy talk. (laughs) And um, this was inspired by looking at Rigretsy, which I often go to to get my ideas for looking at um, actual Etsy stuff. So what I found was this one. and it's a horrible sex toy for men that's called Suck You Dry. <laughs> and it's a fleshlight. Is it like a power bag? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a, a fleshlight is basically um, a, a plastic or rubbery tube that you stick your dick into. And the, the top of it is shaped either like a mouth or a vagina. So this one is shaped like a mouth, but it's not just a mouth. It's a vampire mouth, and it's got little pointy teeth. So I am. I will be so surprised if they sell even one of these,
1: because as far as I know, guys pretty much have a, a phobia about teeth getting near their
0: dick. You would think that. Yeah. yeah so anyway, um, it says, The Fleshlight with Bite, introducing Suck You Dry, Sex in a Can from Fleshlight, the world's first vampire-inspired sex toy for men. Take a walk on the dark side and get familiar with this pale brew, but be careful. Though this may feel like love at first bite, make sure you have your wood poised to penetrate before you get completely drained. Enjoy to excess to ensure encounters with dry are an A-positive experience. $42.46. $42.46. Oh, boy. Yuck. So that's pretty good. Um, that's money totally thrown away. Oh, And then there's a whole bunch of really fu- funny comments, including comment number two, which says, This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody say this is a disaster? No, nobody says that. Um, Darn. But I guess that's exclusive to the Trek universe. I, I think it is, although there are many, many... Um, funny comments on here, like saying uh, my friends and I decided that it's for display only, which made me think what I really needed was a sophisticated sitting room or parlor with plaque-mounted dildos all over the wall in place of animal heads. I think that's a great idea. I think so, too. Just like put them around. Well, and to me
1: they're they're more humanitarian. You know, if you have animal heads, that means animals die. Exactly. Just to decorate your damn
0: room. Um, comment number five says need sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> well, what doesn't? It uh, just need sparkles. Yep. Um, let's see. And then a number of people on here were asking, how do you clean something like this? Right? So someone said that they knew how to clean it. You flip the sleeve inside out and wash it with warm water and dish soap. Then pat dry and lightly powder with cornstarch. Why, yes, I did sell dildos for a living. What makes you ask? <laughs> And the reply, you never
1: know when this kind of expertise is going to be required. You
0: know, people have done all kinds of things. Um, so then someone replied to this and saying, I knew this because I got dragged to a fun party once. It was the most awkward thing ever. Also, getting brained repeatedly by a triple-headed bendy dildo was not one of my high points. <sighs> Extra bonus creepy points when the salesperson kept going on about how her hubby and his dad had matching flashlights and jacked off together as father-son <sighs> bonding that is so pervy oh it's gross it's horrible so i like this comment a lot someone said just a thought the idea of putting sex in a can (laughs) lots of question marks was first dreamed up by some clever clever person then brought to the attention of someone with investment money then worked and reworked by designers and materials experts then manufactured by a factory then marketed the number of people who all agreed that this was a great idea and had a hand in its creation is kind of staggering when you remember that it's a rubber vampire mouth stuck on a beer can. <laughs> the free market is a strange place to me. Um. I'm wondering if you could do something with those Halloween wax lips, yeah, probably, oh, they melt eventually, um and then someone else said, what I'd like to see is a flow chart showing how this product's inspiration relates to that of those joke snakes in peanut brittle cans. <laughs> 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 well yeah i i i, I, I
1: <laughs> really i um, would I would actually think. That if they had something like that, it would make a great practical joke, if much better than the joke snake. Yes. But this, that as soon as your dick gets close enough Uh to it, then it does explode with the joke snake. snake, Or like a gallon of of joke jism sprays (laughs) all over you.
0: Someone said, if you stick your dick in that and walk in front of a mirror, does the whole thing disappear? (laughs) And then another person replied, if you use it out in the sun, it will burst into flames and shrivel up, but that will only be the beginning of your problems.
1: (laughs) For sure.
0: Oh, what a horrible thing. So, um, (laughs) some clever person on here... um, Pointed out that the company that makes this, the Fleshlight people, have a whole line of these sex toys that are sort of Halloween themed because Halloween is coming up, mm-hmm. and it's a part of their website called Fleshlight Freaks. But the vampire thing didn't make the cut. No, I on don't know. The, it's, it's not, on it's this not page. freaky enough it's for not freaky these. Enough. So the first one is called Zombie, and um, so these are both fleshlights and dildos um, that are supposed to be shaped like penises. And, um, the dildo is really gross because it's made out of like gray silicon, and it looks really horrible and awful.
1: Well, the whole thing about zombies is that they're dead people and they're decomposing yeah, so first of all, there's a the whole necrophiliac aspect to this, but secondly, it, you're not just pretending to fuck dead people you're you're pretending to fuck dead bodies that are actively Rot-
0: decomposing rotting. it's so horrible, not like a
1: fresh one, yeah.
0: And then there's the alien one, which just means it's kind of blue and shiny. Uh Uh-huh. Then there's the Frankenstein one, which kind of, like, has fake stitches on it. And then the dildo has little... bolts attached to the sides of it which is very strange the
1: the the, the uh, vagina with the stitches looks you know like a baseball with it, a mouth it or looks something. a lot
0: like a baseball it's true and then the Dracula one the the vagina the opening has little bat wings on the side ah! which is strange and then the dildo's just red and then there's a cyborg one that looks sort of spacey or something I guess
1: you know you really could kind of have fun the the um Dracula one has inspired me to to d- do one where the the vagina looks like the bat signal, you know that Commissioner Gordon puts up in the sky. You could you
0: could have some fun with those. Oh my goodness! So that's really weird. Yeah, um, and creepy. And creepy. So, so congratulations, those are freaks. Those are definitely freaky. So we're not going to be buying any of those sex toys. But if anybody out there wants to buy any of those sex toys and tell us about them, please feel free to do so. Yes, it's been a
1: long time since we've challenged you people to give us a sex toy review. Yeah, exactly. And you, you can be anonymous or make up a funny name for yourself. We're not going to come
0: hunt you down no. or anything like that. No, but uh, yeah, those things are weird. So now moving right along to the Etsy segment. Okay. I've, I've got just a few really good things on here, and this is fun because I'll be able to show them to you at the same time we're talking about Good, them. and th-
1: let's not forget to also do our art segment. Oh,
0: yes. Okay. So the first thing on here is um, pattern for Captain Kirk uniform size petite. And here's the picture. Oh, look, Jack, don't you want that? It's a pattern for a little tiny shirt that you get for your dog.
1: Oh, do you have to make it then?
0: Well, it's just the pattern? Uh, yeah, it's the pattern. It says, does your furry Trekkie fan um, need an outfit to wear to the next Comic-Con convention or a little something for Halloween? Hopefully this original Star Trek inspired uniform will make them smile.
1: If I was going to dress Jack up Star Trekkie, mm-hmm. this might be the way I'd go. But what I'd really be tempted to do is just totally get, get our little dog freak on and dress him up as that poor dog who gets split in two, including yeah. eyeliner and false eyelashes yeah. and a horn.
0: And a horn. The horn is I, I know. Part. He would
1: absolutely sit still for me doing all those things.
0: Oh. But that is cute. Yeah. So it's very, very cute. The one that they're showing is in... Um, Command Gold. Of course. And then it says, if Spock is more to your liking, just make it in blue and use other patch options. You'll have to find your own pup with big ears, though. (laughs) Here's one. (laughs) There's one right there. So I thought that was very, very cute. Oh, I
1: do like that.
0: Especially the illustrations, though. It's a picture of, like, a little chihuahua, Uh right? And it's got the shirt on, and it's looking at the camera in a very uncertain way, like... Am I supposed to be wearing this? Yeah, but it's got the little stripes on the the stripes, and then it's set on a a background of stars, Mm -hmm. and then there's the Enterprise just kind of hovering there in the background. Yes, so anyway, yeah, because the dog is sort of floating
1: in space, it's kind of like he's in mid beam up or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so
0: I just thought that was cute, and I thought Jack might want to see it too. Yes, I'm
1: glad he got to see
0: that. Okay. What's the next one? I'm going to say that one for last. Okay. Okay. Then we have. The vintage Star Trek lampshade, Captain <gasps> James T. Kirk. <laughs> now, this is one of those things on Etsy. Uh-huh. First of all, I don't think this is vintage. Second of all, this isn't really a Star Trek lampshade. This is just a, a, a golden lampshade that somebody put a Star Trek insignia on. Right. And they're trying to pass it off as a What Star is the Trek. little picture of Kirk there on the side, though? Does he have a lamp? Um, no, it's just a picture of him. <laughs> For no particular reason. So the description says, <laughs> Oh Etsy. vintage Star Trek lampshade. Okay, so I'm standing at this sale looking at this vintage 1980s lampshade thinking, why does this look so familiar when my girlfriend says, hey, this is the exact same color velour Captain James T. Kirk wear- shirt was made out of. Now I had to have it. So it's garnished. With a fabulous embroidery patch of the communicator pin worn by Captain Kirk, except of course it wasn't a communicator pin in the original series. Yeah.
1: Oh, you know what that's for? That's for when the captain gets drunk on New Year's Eve <laughs> and he puts it on his head. With the lampshade <laughs> on his head. Of
0: course. So it's one of those scenes that ended up on the cutting room floor. So yeah, twenty-five bucks for a vintage velour lampshade with a Star Trek patch slapped. Not it. going there. That's pretty pretty scary. Yeah. Okay. Now, the next one, this is actually very cool. This is Star Trek TOS Trouble with Tribble's script mosaic. So this is a mosaic. It's a, I believe it's a print. Yeah. It's framed and ready for display. It's 9 by 11. And it's one of those mosaics that's made out of words. Really? And it's the picture, it's the very iconic thing from Trouble with Tribbles where he's in the pile of Tribbles mm-hmm. and he's kind of got his hand over and he's got a right. like, harassed look on his face. But what they did was um, the words are the script to the Trouble with Tribbles. Uh-huh. And then they put all the words together like this and then they just did some coloring on the words to make the picture. Is there like a close-up here view or something? Yeah. And it's done in the Star Trek font as well. And it is. It's the whole script. Wow. So wow. I just thought that was like a pretty darn cool thing, you know? Yeah. Kind of oh, that art. really took a ton of planning, mm-hmm. a lot of work. And of course, it, you recognize it immediately as being yes. Kirk. And, and you recognize it as the triple episode. Yeah. yeah. So wow. I just thought that was Wow, So really what, did, me-
1: what did they have to say about it? Okay. Anything interesting? Yeah.
0: So. Um, it says, uh, it's an art print image. Solid background is made entirely of words. Even the very fine lines and what looks like shading are very small words. This is a cool framed print by pop artist Paul Van Scott. He has made rare and unusual art by using poker chips, golf balls, photos, hockey pucks, M&Ms. Um, <laughs> M&Ms. Paul has, Paul's work has been featured on, on Glee, college textbooks, and in many news articles. Hmm. Um Let's see. You won't see anything like this anywhere. This is for the true collector. The listing is for a limited edition framed print directly from the artist. It is of the highest quality non-fade professional photo paper. High quality and authentic. Um, You have to be at least 10 to 15 inches away to get the complete effect. Yeah. (laughs) It won't be mass produced. It's a very limited edition. And uh, it's a numbered uh, certificate of authentication that's signed by the artist. Wow. It's 20 bucks. That's not bad. Not bad at all for something like that. Yeah. So I. Oh, and look at what else he's done. Davy, he the littlest did, monkey. Oh, one of Davy Jones. Wow. Ten. So there
1: certainly are some interesting crossovers between Trek and monkeys, aren't
0: there? There are a lot. Yeah. It's kind of spooky. It is. <laughs> so I just thought that was cool. That is one of the more interesting. Thank you for bringing that oh, one up. yeah. Okay, and now. This is really weird. Oh, good. Um, (laughs) I'll read you the description before I show you the whole thing. Okay, because
1: I just got a little glimpse of the picture. Go ahead. It
0: says, This is definitely one of a kind. This original piece was inspired by my belief in extraterrestrial life and the connection to Jesus and other messengers that have been sent here throughout time. Not to mention, Star Trek rocks. So... The title of this piece is Beam Me Up, and it's a picture of Jesus. <laughs> and he's got the Star Trek emblem where his sacred heart should be. And he's kind of <laughs> giving the benediction peace symbol there like he does, but right? But it's not the Vulcan one? No, no. It's his normal thing where he's going like this. Yeah. And then above his head, it says, Beam Me Up. Um, I definitely want that link
1: because <laughs> I am posting that picture to my Facebook because, you know... There's a lot of posting of you know click like if you love Jesus and stuff and I figured that you know I need to counterbalance a lot of that.
0: So this costs ninety dollars. Ooh, 90, how big 90. is it? What's it made out of? Uh, it's done on a quarter inch masonite. Is that like a a rock masonite? Okay. And it measures eleven inches by twenty six inches. So it's pretty big. It's yeah. about you know like that. Yeah. I don't know. Jesus is wearing a very nice red robe. Bad move on his part. <laughs> bad, I have to really say bad move. <laughs> and he's the typical, you know, hippie long haired Jesus that you see on a mm-hmm. lot of prints and things. Um, interestingly, they, they chose not to put the halo around his head. Yeah. Which they usually do. And then the words, beam me up, are just written in kind of a weird um, school kid type yeah. script. I'm definitely posting that.
1: Beam me, up. Wow. Beam me up, Jesus. Beam me up, Dad. <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> Wouldn't that be offensive? A poster, a picture of Jesus on the cross. Oh. And across the top is the banner, mission accomplished. Okay, uh, Etsy, here I come. Wow. <laughs> that would be...
0: So, this was posted pretty recently, um, and I'm looking at it tonight, and uh, it's had two views, of which we're probably the second. No, we're probably both of them, because you looked at it, it, it once before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it has been viewed exclusively by you. <laughs> Everybody else probably saw, like, a tag or something and went, I'm not
0: going I'm there. I'm not going to look <laughs> it. <in. laughs> I'll burn in hell. <laughs> Beam me up. Jesus. Wow! Amazing. I love Etsy. I so love Etsy. <laughs> I really do. <coughs>
1: now I'm choking on it. Oh, God, that is funny. Oh, my. Wow. All right. Um, It'd be interesting to know if they ever sell any.
0: Yeah. So that's the shopping section of the show. Well, well we've had the, the sex toys. We've had the Etsy stuff. You know, we have so much. Well, let's move on to fine art. Let's look at fine art.
1: Okay. I've got to get to it. All right, Uh, this was sent to us by a couple of people. One was some guy and one was (laughs) Cubmo, but it is a poster. A beautiful poster. Beautiful, beautiful poster. Let me see. Uh, Oops, ow. And uh, the the subject matter of the email we got from Cubmo was all of TOS in one Mm -hmm. poster. And I've zoomed it up so we could see it in some more detail. But it is this really cool poster of um, up at the top of it is all the the various ships Mm -hmm. and um, the thing from uh, uh, the Baylock episode, the The big round thing. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, you know, there's birds of prey, there's a space station, there's there's everything. And then as you get down closer, there's Kirk Mm -hmm. floating around in the Tholian web atmosphere, and then the, the the shuttlecraft, and then you get into set pieces and all, everybody, just about every character from TOS ever, yep. sort of gathered around like one of those, all the stars mm-hmm. of MGM together, yes. and there's the, the obelisk, and they're all, you know, like, the little size, the perspective is good. And then towering over them all is Apollo. Oh, well, it's
0: great. I love the way he's standing
1: there. And he's holding the girl in his uh-huh. hand, who was his 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 uh, mate. But it's it's just so much fun. It's like playing Where's Waldo. Because it I was is. looking so hard for Gary Mitchell and for Finnegan. <laughs> and, you know, naming people off as I recognize them. That Scotty's holding that poor little dog who gets <laughs> split in two. I noticed that we ha- that we have um, regular Spock and Mirror Spock. But is that
0: the only mirror character? I b- believe it is. Um,
1: I could not find any other mirror characters. I looked very carefully. But at the front of it is Kirk, of course, mm-hmm. and his feet and. Uh, McCoy's feet as well are just sort of beaming in oh. or beaming out
0: is Kirk the only character that's in there twice you said it was Kirk as, as in the Tholian episode up at the top
1: well no I think he's in here like three times oh. uh, because here's another guy who I believe is Kirk oh. and I can't quite figure out from the context what episode it's supposed to be hmm. Okay. okay um, but uh, uh, Crazy Pike is in there <laughs> as well as real Pike uh huh Uh, Harry Mudd Cyrano Jones and (laughs) to quote myself oh look there's the American flag and there's the guy who was the head of those guys (laughs) 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 there's uh, Veil and my favorite placement is there's a guardian of forever and lounging on top of it in his classic pose is Finnegan Mm -hmm. but climbing
0: up towards him is a Mugatu I see that (laughs) Um, so the the other Kirk that you pointed out right yeah. here, he's got the three scratches on his face. That's from <gasps> enemy within, and he's drinking the Saurian brandy out of the bottle. Oh,
1: oh! You zoomed it up more than me. Yeah. You are so smart. But I was really kind of um, surprised not to see Mirror Kirk, and and I was saying that that I couldn't find Mitchell? split personality Kirk, uh-huh. but there he is. But Mitchell's there. Um, Where's Mitchell? Uh, okay, you see Dila. Uh huh. Look! Look just uh, over oh, her. Oh, there shelf. he
0: is. Yep, yeah, I see. And he's
1: it's Evil Mitchell. He's got the gray hair. Yep, I see that. So he's there. Um, the Frank Gorshin character from mm-hmm. Let That Be Your Last Battlefield appears to be sneaking up on Edith Keeler. I see
0: that he's sort of looking at her like he's about to do something. Yep. Everybody is here. It's and they're very well drawn. They they really are. Um, <clears throat> after you start really looking at it and picking out the different people, then you
1: start going well. Who's not there? And mm. one of the things I noticed, or I was totally unable to find her, is Mary.
0: Mm. I couldn't find Mary. Um, I see the goddamn space hippies.
1: Yes, yes, the goddamn space hippies are there. And up there with them, what character is the woman in the red and purple? Oh, that's um, Odonna. Oh, right. Okay, and doesn't Miramani look... She looks great. But, I mean, she was never posed that sexy. No, she looks very sassy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's it's really a fun, fun poster. And like I said, the placement of Nomad kind of makes <laughs> it look like Bender <laughs> from Futurama. Like Bender.
0: <laughs> oh, and look, there's Nona right in the front.
1: Yes, yes, and she's... She looks she's, hot. You know, given the camera the come on. So, yeah, it's it's really a lot of fun. There's a green Orion girl. Mm-hmm. There's Khan. There's Spock's parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Seven's in there. Everybody's Samuel T. Cogley. You know, just just about the Gorn, uh, the Romulan commander. All kinds of wonderful people are in there. So. Oh, there's
0: Garth of Izar. Yes,
1: I, I, and there's Trelane, too. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun to look at and pick out all the
0: different... Different characters, and it is very nicely done. Oh, it is. And so, this is uh, someone's art on DeviantArt, and it looks like the, the artist is Dusty Abel. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a wonderful thing. I don't think it's for sale, although I'm not sure. Well, I don't.
1: When you click the link I got, all you get is the image. There's nothing like, you know, contact so and so for.
0: Oh, like, here we go. Wait a minute. What? You uh, find something different? Yeah, so oh, I got some more information. Um, so, this is uh, Dusty Abel. It says, this piece is for all the original Star Trek fans out there. I've been working on this for a while, and I'm happy to finally get to share it. Definitely a labor of love and so much fun to do. Uh, I'm going to skip a little bit. You just have to click download to really see the detail in piece, so please hit that button. You can see close-ups of the character. Um... If I can interest at least 30 people into getting a 40-inch by 27-inch movie poster size print of this piece for $70, bucks, i will run off that small amount. But you can just download it, apparently.
1: Yeah, and so you could print it yourself. You could print it yourself. If you, if, want, a, if if you, if you can. want a small
0: version, yeah. Right. But, yep, it is gorgeous. It's cool. I likes it a lot. Yeah. So, good job, Guy. This thing is cool.
1: Oh, and they've even got the flying vomit creatures.
0: <laughs> so, there's a couple of places you can click through um where he's got extreme close ups oh. of some of the background characters, just in case um you can't see them. This is uh Garovic, isn't it? yeah, that's yeah. his name.
1: I yeah. couldn't think what his name was yeah oh wow, who is the woman standing in the guardian of forever with um Pike
0: that's um um from the uh oh. Where they go where Spock goes back in time with McCoy. Oh, it's Zerabeth Beth before she's in her fur bikini. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. Oops. Oh now I super zoomed. I can't <laughs> even tell
0: what I'm looking at anymore. And there's from Cochrane. Yes. Yep. It's great. It is really, really well done. Yes. So yeah, you guys should all go and look at this. Mm-hmm. You'll definitely enjoy seeing everybody in it. E-
1: it's more fun than the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club <laughs> it's Band. It's true. It's very true. Yeah. Oh, very good. So we were very happy to to have that and to share it with all yes, of you. Absolutely. If any of you decide to order it, let it, let, let us, us know, know. But, yeah. um, you know, if you download it, you could definitely make it into a very cool screensaver mm-hmm. or wallpaper.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm thinking that might be a good idea.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. So, um, do you want to do one more segment, or should we call it a, a show?
1: Um, well, we haven't done another viewing. We could do that. Um, and so we could do some viewing and, and then yeah. make that our final segment? Yeah, we're
0: gonna, so we're going to watch some old Bill, some <laughs> TV old, Bill. Old, young Bill. Old, young Bill. We'll watch that, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll tell you about it. Okay. Come back here. Tina. That was horrible.
1: Jack gives it four paws down. Oh
0: my God. It was <laughs> dreadful. We just watched, um, out of all the things we had to, to pick from, we chose another episode of The Virginian. And this one was called um, Black Jade. Yeah. Is that right? And it was a very thinly disguised um, thing about prejudice.
1: Very thinly. Yeah. And very boring.
0: Very boring. It's, you know, we watched a lot of old
1: TV that was talky, talky, talky. Mm -hmm. This had an excessive amount of people just riding horses.
0: And just kind of standing around and looking at things. Yeah. And a lot of singing that was (sighs) completely unnecessary.
1: Bill did not sing.
0: Bill didn't sing. He wasn't even hardly shirtless. I mean, we were promised shirtlessness, and there wasn't any.
1: He was in a bathtub, an Old West bathtub, so he didn't have a shirt on, but he had bubbles up to his neck. And I'm sorry, I bubble baths no, in the Old West in no, a ghost town? No,
0: definitely not. And he did have tight pants, but there were not nearly enough butt shots.
1: No. Now, he did look good. His southern accent was at least consistent.
0: Yeah, that's true. He had a
1: mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was playing an outlaw mm-hmm. who uh, was a former, we uh, surmise, Virginia plantation owner type gentleman. Yep. So he was very, well, condescending is a polite term to everybody, but mm-hmm. especially to the black Character mm-hmm. who uh, was named somebody Jade, so mm-hmm. that's the name Black Jade. But for some reason, he and his gang of idiots... Oh,
0: they were idiots, too, total idiots. were um, ...had come to this
1: ghost town to try to get gold. God only knows why they thought mm-hmm. there was gold there. There was some involvement with Indians, and little Indian children wearing bad wigs, and an idiotic girl... Who you couldn't, she couldn't decide whose side she was on. Mm.
0: Yeah, it was just pretty bad. And um, just a lot of pointless talking and bickering and people maybe switching sides, but maybe not. And And breaking bottles. Breaking bottles and maybe double-crossing each other, but maybe not. And then... About 10 minutes of the Indians on their horses riding around in circles. Shooting at the buildings. Shooting at the building, but nobody ever actually hitting anything. No. It was really boring.
1: Oh, my God, it was awful. We had to fast forward through some of it, and here's the worst thing. We were 30 minutes into a one-hour show before Bill showed up. Yep,
0: so, yeah. Man, TV sure has changed. Oh, man. I mean, I know TV is still really bad, but it's bad in a different way now. hmm this was very very boring.
1: Oh my God, Bill had a ruffly shirt.
0: Yep, that was cute.
1: And and big sideburns.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, he must have done this guest starring probably in the season right after Star Trek was yep. canceled.
0: Yep. And um, you know, his toupee didn't look too bad. It no. It was uh, supposed to be sort of old westish hair, so it was mm-hmm. a bit longer, and he was yeah. supposed to be all dirty and sweaty, so it didn't look that
1: good. Right, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, Bill did, did, did a good job, mm-hmm. but I mean, I cannot recommend this to, to anybody, not even the most diehard Shatner fans, of which we are too. Yeah. Oh, oh just, my God. Just not and, and there wasn't anything even bad enough to to make fun of and go, oh my God, what are they doing, or, or why is that? Here was the only interesting thing. Jade traveled around in a covered wagon
0: whistling and singing Mm -hmm. and playing an electric piano it sure looked like an electric piano to me it was a little bit inconsistent with
1: just a little a
0: little bit with the time period plus
1: while he was playing it he had the 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 reins reins for the horses that were pulling it around his neck and if those horses got spooked
0: Mm
1: -hmm. he was going to you know be decapitated yep
0: Clearly. Uh, oh, it was just sheer idiocy. Yeah, and this is a TV series starring Doug McClure. Um, Whom you may remember <laughs> from such boring shows as... As The Virginian. And The Barbary Coast. And he's just not a very good actor. He's terrible. He really is not a good actor.
1: Plus, the whole setup of this episode that set up this whole tedious thing was that... Um, jade ran into them at the end of or during their cattle drive Mm -hmm. and um accidentally spooked all the cattle and so to repay them he gave them his watch and then later when doug mcclure looked at it he realized it was a watch he had bought for a friend of his and he wanted to know what happened to his friend Mm -hmm. and so he goes and finds jade and jade goes i don't know i bought it from a railroad detective in toledo or wherever i don't believe you so they hang around arguing with each other then the bad guys bill and his gang of idiots show up then the indians show up and shoot everything and finally uh jade says okay now listen i'm telling you for the last time i bought that watch from a railroad detective in toledo i don't know what happened to your friend and doug mccur goes good enough for me you, you can't even dignify that by calling it a resolution no so it's just a time has we filled our allotted time slop
0: slop yeah. <laughs> let's all go home it really was <laughs> and then at the end um jade drives into the town with shatner and his girlfriend in the back mm-hmm. and was he taking them to get the reward money i guess
1: well, I don't know. He was taking them, I believe, to Julesburg, where Bill was wanted yeah. and was going to go to jail. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But they had said something about reward money earlier.
1: Yeah, they thought that the two guys, Bill... <laughs> <Idiot>. <laughs> and Bill wasn't too smart either in the running of this gang. He sent two of the idiots off to to more or less kidnap a doctor to fix mm-hmm. the bullet in his arm. And when those two idiots didn't come back, he sent the other two <laughs> off <laughs> to find the other two idiots. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like,
0: really? Throw good idiots after bad? <laughs> it was just really annoying and and we were just amazed at how long it took to get through all of this stupid plot and then there were just scenes of people talking to each other and, and taking whole minutes to say things that could have been said in about 10 or 15 seconds mm-hmm. like oh they came up with a story idea that would have taken half an hour at the most and had to stretch it out to yep. a whole hour It that was clearly what was and going on and that's
1: true of a lot of the one hour television I think from that era
0: yeah oh so, sorry, sorry that wasn't a good outing for Bill, but, you know, it yeah. was a job, and it gave him a paycheck. And
1: well, and we're sorry to, to end this show on a downer.
0: Yeah, but what we can do to redeem things a little bit is if you want to watch Bill in the Virginian, we highly recommend the other one that he was in, which was called The Claim, which we talked about on the show before. Yes. Where he was shirtless, and there was a lot of homoerotic wrestling. And, and, and digging. And digging, yeah, and splashing around. and Lots whatever. of digging. Yep. That was a good one. <laughs> it on was actually side. not a good one, but it no. was certainly
1: superior to this crap in that it did have, you know, some quite a bit of, like we say, shirtlessness and mm-hmm. getting wet and digging and erotica. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, but definitely skip black jade. Skip
0: black jade, just not good, not yep. good at all. Oh, all Well, right. this concludes the podcast
1: from the Midwestern tour. yes. Because soon, Lena will be heading back to the land of sunshine.
0: Yeah. Um, but we'll be doing more shows, of course. Of course. Talking about more things all the time.
1: Yes. We will be reading our Galaxy Quest yes. uh, graphic novels and yep. reporting on those. While, while Lena was getting our viewer set up, I started reading mm-hmm. just a few pages, and I'm already going, oh, yes, this is going to be wonderful.
0: It is. It's going to be great. Yep. All right, so for now, uh, let's just say thanks for listening. Join us next time for another wonderful episode of Look at His Butt. And uh, we'll just say goodnight because it's quite late now.
1: Yes, and we're sleepy.
0: (laughs) Good night. Good (laughs) night. Look at my but